Hello, coders. Good evening. It is episode 119 of uh, the How to Code Well podcast. Sorry, I am <laughs> off. There we go. <laughs> it's episode 119 of the How to Code Well podcast. As you can probably tell, this is live. Um, it is the 14th of October 2021. And today I would like to talk about some branch uh, good practices in Git. So Git being the source control, um, and I have 10 uh, good practices to use when you're dealing with branching and merging and, and all that good stuff. Uh, we'll get to that uh, very soon. Before we do, let's just do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so big apologies for um, not being able to stream in the last few weeks. Um, I haven't been on Twitch or YouTube or, uh, or here. Um, Unfortunately, my cat passed away, so I took a bit of time off. Uh, one of my cats passed away uh, to uh, to deal with that. And uh, but we're back. We're back, and um, we've got a really good show today. I think a really good uh, good set of set of info for branching and gitness. Gitness that is a word now. Um, also, uh, I want to just mention that. Um, uh, there's there's a couple of two two little news article thingies I want to mention. Uh, one being that um, uh, there's a bit of PHP news. So uh, PHP uh, the Swall extension for PHP uh, it has been forked. So if anybody's using Swall in, uh, in I think that's how you pronounce it S W double uh, O L E the PHP extension has been forked due to some ongoing security concerns. Uh, the current version of Swole uh, actually downloads a compressed file uh, from the business site of Swole, uh, which, uh, as you can probably imagine, isn't good news, <laughs> isn't great. Um, there's a ton of security concerns there. Uh, it, it would seem that it's a gzip file, and this gzip file is, like I said, downloaded from the business site of Swall, um, and it downloads to your application and runs. Um, this is according to a screenshot that was given on the PHP mailing list. Um, apparently, many attempts were made to raise this concern uh, with the current maintainer of Swall, um, but uh, nothing nothing happened. Uh, and therefore, the PHP community, quite rightly so, decided to fork it. Um, and they've now created their own sort of version of Swall called Open Swall, which is the alternative. So if anyone is using Swall, and I must say that I, I actually don't know anyone who does, uh, but I am um, aware that it of its of its existence, I actually went to see a, a talk um, at a conference about Swall and the interesting things you can do with uh, with Swall with PHP. Um, but uh, if anybody is using it, then please do consider upgrading. Um, I would. I mean, this is this is quite a bad thing in terms of security. I mean, even if it was done in without any kind of malicious attempt, uh, sort of malicious sort of thought. Uh, having the ability to download a remote file uh, that you're unaware of due to a PHP extension is not good. <laughs> I mean, imagine, if you will, that that site was to be hacked and someone was aware of the hacker was aware of this vulnerability. Um, it would it would expose uh, it would damage a load of PHP sites. Let's just put it like that. And the thing is. 
I, I mentioned that um, I've never used Swarm before, and I, you know, I don't know of anybody who does uh, in in terms of projects. But but it doesn't nece- that doesn't mean that it's not enabled. So I am aware of projects that are uh, have um, a load of extensions enabled, and they don't use them. But it it does um, that they, they do run, <laughs> they do run. Yeah. So Swall, it's a yes, it's a um, it's an extension for PHP. So just be cautious. I've put a link in the show notes um, in the description about uh, about this um, for anybody to read up on. Basically, the takeaway there is to upgrade, <laughs> upgrade your things. Um, get off of PHP seven as quickly as you can. Uh, and if you are using Swall and you know you're using Swall, then please do use this open Swall thing. Um, but that, you know, it's hats off to the PHP community for jumping on this and getting this sorted so quickly. I, I, in my opinion, I think I think the PHP community uh, need to have a, a, a you know a round of applause. Taking on a, an extension, a whole extension, is actually quite a massive piece. Well, taking on anybody's piece of code is is a massive challenge. So you know, um, it, it's a massive commitment, right? This is a big big commitment. So there we go. Uh, the next piece of news is regarding the Apple event that's happening on the 18th, uh, the 18th of this month. So in a few weeks time, this is quite exciting, actually. So as you may have known, I am um, thinking about upgrading my MacBook, which is like the 2019 version of the MacBook Pro. It's a 16 inch and it's only got like 16 gigs of RAM. It's incredibly slow. Um in terms of like when you get it to the, to the very top of the uh, peak performance, I do a lot of stuff with Elasticsearch. I do a lot of stuff with loads of Docker containers. It does start to crawl, especially when you've got, you know, Chrome tabs open. Uh, I've fallen into that trap of using the Chrome grouping um, mechanism that they now have introduced. So now I have even more tabs <laughs> that are open and they do all sorts of things like, uh, you know, go drilling into Chrome query, uh, Elasticsearch queries and have content management systems open and other pages open and doing all sorts of interesting stuff. And then, of course, you've got the IDE open. Then you've got uh, uh, the terminal open. And I'm, I'm probably running at least two or three scripts at any one time. It does start to crumble. So I am in the market of upgrading um, and I, I'm kind of I'm I'm. I've got half a finger on the trigger of getting a Linux machine. Uh, probably, um, if I can swallow the import tax, the, a System76 box uh, laptop. However, I do want to hold out for this Apple event. I, essentially, if they if they have a uh, if it's limited to 32 gigs of RAM, then I will just disregard whatever the speed of the CPU is. It need, for me, it needs to have at least 64 gigs. 16 is just too small. 32, I just think is it's going to be too small in a few years' time, and I want a machine that's going to last for for a while. So that's what I'm holding out for um, to basically see what the price is for the 64 gigabyte RAM uh, job of the M1X MacBook Pro. Uh, will I? Won't I? I don't know. I might. I might just go and buy a Linux box and and uh, and use that. But. Um, Anyway, I'll keep you updated as to which which one I go for. Okay, so let's get back into the uh, the topic of the, t- the main show. Thank you every so much for joining, uh, Bernard and As- Akas, Akas, Dave. Thank you very much. 
for joining. I appreciate that. Um, so, Git. Git. <laughs> Git is a source control um, uh, application, I guess, where you can obviously store your code. Um, and that will, that you can use like pipelines to, uh, control when certain things happen to your application, you know, certain points, whether it gets deployed, uh, when things get tested, get, get, uh, built, that kind of stuff. Um, and what I've done is cause recently I've been dealing with a load of, um, issues with like. Uh, conflicts in code and um, sharing code amongst, you know, the team and stuff like that. So I, I decided to just write out, I've actually got 11 points here, but I'll try and condense it down to 10, 10 points for good practice when doing branching and merging. Um, before Git, you had SVN. Um, and then before that, you had some other that I was using some other random thing from Microsoft back in the day. Um, so Git changed the game when it was when it all sort of decentralized um that was that was really an interesting learning curve to to learn how to use source control using git and using a de decentralized uh source uh, uh versioning tool and um i guess new developers don't need to worry about centralized um source control so that's cool so i'll, I'll just assume that everybody here is aware of git that's kind of like where the audience, I'm going to sit them. So everybody is aware of Git. So I don't have to go through the history of what Git is and, and all that jazz. The interesting thing I find is, is how you, how you configure Git to uh, work w with your team members and how it can scale from, um, one, uh, from, from like one team member to 10 team members or 20, uh, you know, because there are certain pr practices that you put in place when your team starts to grow. And those practices that you put in place when your team is at that scale don't make a lot of sense when you're, you've only got one member of your team. So this is like the difference of, let's say I've got a side project. So it's only me working on this thing or I'm actually working on a project for a client and I've got 10 other developers working on the same code base. A bit different, it's a, it's a bit different. So what we're gonna do today is talk about when you're actually working in a team of people. So you're working in a team of people, uh, let's give it an arbitrary number, let's say five. So five developers, they have all access to your source control, um, which means that they can they can commit changes to your um, your branches, and you can commit changes to their branches. And you are all working on sort of one single project. And the first, I guess the first thing that I would suggest, what my first tip is to ensure that your pipeline uh, is, is constantly working, <laughs> constantly working. So when I say pipeline, what I mean is that you've got your, your continual integration so your CI. So this is where you're continually integrating code into um, your source control. And the pipeline goes from various different stages that you set up from perhaps code auditing to um, merging to testing or, you know, in a different order perhaps, and then building and then deployment if you're doing CD. 
Um, so what you want to make sure is that 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 anything that gets pushed into your pipeline goes from one end to the other end incredibly smoothly. And if there is ever a point where your pipeline just gets blocked, then it, it really should become the first priority to unblock that over other priorities of the team. Um, because this is the thing you have, let's say you've got five developers, you only have one pipeline, right? So you only have one, one pipeline, one thing, one source control that your team members can, 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 can uh, push to. And so if one uh, member by accident, because this is never done on purpose, by accident, um, pushes something to that pipeline, which breaks the pipeline, then you're preventing the other four developers from actually using that pipeline. Uh, and so you immediately get a, uh, a, um, a blockage, immediately get a blockage. Um, so the first thing to do is to ensure your pipeline works and I, we, I do this using uh, auditing tools. So I'm a PHP developer, for instance. So that would, that would include things like um, PHP stand for static analysis, PHP CS, uh, linting, PHP unit for testing, all of those things um, and more PHP MD for mess detection, yada, yada, yada. There's, there's a load of different auditing testing tools that you can do that checks your code base and also things like code sniffing. So to make sure you're, you're following the conventions that are laid out to the team, your common conventions, coding conventions. And if, uh, if any of those fail, then you don't want the code blocking the pipeline. So you want to run those before you actually decide to push your code into the pipeline. And then you want the pipeline to run them as well to ensure that nothing actually gets into the pipeline um, that shouldn't get into the pipeline. But and, and it's like a, like a safety net, if you will. The thing is that as soon as something gets broken, because it will, you know, it will, something will get pushed in. Um, someone will forget to run the code auditing, auditing tools, or perhaps the code auditing tools are updated and the, the other person who is doing the push hasn't updated the code auditing tools and therefore fails when they do the merge. Um, when that happens, and it will, jump on it. Jump on that, because like I said, you are blocking the other developers from actually doing any of their work, pushing any of the thing. So the first one is to run code audits before merging into the workflow. And I guess you could also part that up with a second one, which is um, if there's ever a problem with the pipeline, down tools, fix the pipeline. <laughs> fix that. You never really want to be that guy that screws the pipeline up, but that happens. I've done it before plenty of times. Um, but you, you just want to, uh, you address it as as fast as possible. Okay. The second one is more about the code. Okay. Uh, so the second uh, tip is to, um, when you're, when you're writing code that requires, a, uh, some conf configuration. Um, so, I mean, this could be even be feature flags, or this could be some config that you put into, if you're building something in Symfony, it could be like a, your services.yaml, it could be um, an environment variable, it could be config to your Docker containers or whatnot. Um, try and, if you can, try and um, put that, uh, that configuration, code as configuration, separate to the actual feature that you're building. 
Sounds a bit weird, right? So you end up with basically two pull requests. And you want to make sure that the code that you write can also um, can identify the fact that the config doesn't exist and therefore doesn't break it. It's not relying on that that config to be to be there. So always check whether or not the configuration, if it's in services, gets injected into your dependencies or whatnot. And if it isn't, deal with that. Deal with that. Um, the reason why I, I think that it's best to separate the your configuration from code in terms of branching um, it is because configuration, in my opinion, is more about setup. You're setting it up for the for your feature to work, and it, it's it's often easier when you're working in a team where you've got different uh, people working on different features, all in this for the same project, to um, to have different branches for configuration if person a has a different configuration to person b and they need to and you both need to merge it merge both of your configurations into the pipeline it's best to have that separate from the code because you'll end up screwing around with merge conflicts and stuff basically you're you're trying to whittle down the the um the problem surface, if you will, to just the very bare minimum. Um, and you can then quickly identify code issues. Uh, this happens um, more frequently than not, actually, when you're when two people are working on the same configuration file and perhaps one person puts some code, some configuration below the other put other configuration or someone changes some existing configuration, it can get a little bit tricky when that configuration is embedded in the, in, in the pull request of, of the feature. So it's a little bit easier if that's broken down into, into two pull requests. Um, in fact, you know, I've worked in places where we have two or three pull pull requests for a feature it's you know you, you can break it down you can break it down it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be one siloed piece of work you can break it down into smaller chunks we'll get on to breaking things down a little bit more when we start talking about code maintenance and, and stuff like that but um there's also uh, things where you've got um encryption so when you're um committing an encrypted file you know if you've got two people trying to commit an encrypted file that's a pain in the ass because you've got two encrypted files so whenever that happens you want to have communication right you want to talk to the to the other person and say look what's going on here we kind of need to have one single thing to to work on um and like i said that gets really messy when you're when that's sort of embedded in the code so in your in your uh, feature pull request you want to make sure that your feature doesn't uh, balk the system if the configuration doesn't exist. That's basically what I'm trying to say there. All right. So moving on to number three is around about around merging, um, merging and uh, conflicts. Basically, you want to treat any code conflict, and you'll get them uh, uh, with kitty gloves. Right. Really be properly um, careful with with code conflicts um, because if you're, it basically means that uh, your your code is conflicting with another piece of code that someone else has written, um, 
and it it can get quite messy. If you screw it up, then you're not only going to screw up your code, but you're going to screw up the other person's feature as well. So you've got to be very, very cautious. This is where you've got to become a team player. You can't just go, okay, well, you know, I'll just accept mine. I won't be accepting yours. I'll be accepting my changes because, you know, I want to finish early today. <laughs> and I'll screw yours up because, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. You want to use the, um, there's a, I use PHP Storm and there is a fantastic feature for resolving conflicts in PHP Storm where you have three, uh, three sort of split views. You have the left view, you have the right view, and then you have the main view. So basically three columns. It's great. I've got a nice big monitor here that I can use to to have those three columns. Basically, what I'm seeing here is my code, the code that I'm merging to, and then the middle code, which is the merge. And um, PHP Storm, it's a diff. Essentially, it's a diff. It's a, it's a graphical diff. The graphical diff has uh, arrows that um, point from left into the middle and right into the middle. So this is saying that this piece of code needs to go here, this piece of code needs to go there, and so on and so forth. And you click on the arrow and you move the code across. There's also a cross. If you click on the cross, then it ex ignores that, um, that entry. Um, so that's really, really useful. So you can see what you're trying to achieve. You're also seeing what you have to change, and then you're seeing the output of that change, uh, which is really, really helpful. So use that. Now, I'm a massive fan of the command line, right? I, I use the command line all the time. In fact, the command line item is probably the most used thing apart from... Um, I guess apart from the actual code editor itself, but anytime I'm in the code, anytime I'm doing something on the terminal, um, I will go to the terminal iterm. I won't use the terminal in PHP Storm just because I'm I, I I'm more comfortable in there. However, when it comes to conflicts, because I know how important it is to get these things right, I like to see my code. I like to see the um, the the code I'm committing I'm merging to and then I like to see you know the output of that so I I do rely on graphical user interfaces whenever I need to and that's fine and that's fine number four is to communicate and talk through conflicts with other developers so let's say for instance you're you're merging something in and you know that someone else has done some work around this area and you can actually use the git blame or git annotation to work out who wrote what line of code when. Um, if you are struggling through a, com uh, a conflict, then get in touch with the developer and say, look, do you have five minutes just to share my screen and I can show you what I'm doing? Because I don't want to screw your stuff up. And that's really important. Again, this goes back to being a team player. You don't want to be screwing anybody else's code up. But at the same time, you want to make sure that the code that you do works. You've got works. Um, so having multiple eyes on. It also helps with pull requests as well. And that's another point that I'll, I'll make later on about pull requests. Number five is a bit of a controversial one. And this is don't squash commits. Um, I like my history. <laughs> I like my history. In fact, um, there's been a few projects where I've left. I'm a contractor, so I will uh, join a project. I'll I'll go to another project, and then sometimes, if I'm lucky enough, I'll go back to the uh, other project, the the 
the previous project that I was on. And obviously, as you're probably aware, when you switch projects like this, um, it's... it, it takes you a while to remember where you were last time. So as a contractor, it's like a three month or a six month or even a year sort of rolling contract type thing. It takes a while to, to come back to where you were when you, when you last left the project, um, going through your, your history, um, is really helpful because then you can get back into the mindset of your of your previous self really really quickly and also you can see how the project has evolved through the the history of 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 git commits that's why i'm not a massive fan of squashing them history's fine man i mean leave it leave it don't don't there's no I, I understand if you're using like an open source project, it can get annoying when you've got huge commit mess, uh, history of stuff. But when you've actually got um, a small team of people working on a on a single project, it's nice to have that history. It's nice to read the thoughts of the other developers. Okay, so where are we now? Number five. Okay. Number five is, now I'm not going to talk about the differences between Git flow and the traditional ways of using Git and all that jazz, you know, what's the difference between staging versus develop or um, hot fix branches versus release branches. I'm not going to worry about that. In my opinion, don't use Git flow. That's just my opinion. And if you want to know why, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll probably do another video on why I think that's a bad a bad, bad way to go. I used to use Gitflow and it just drove me nuts. Um, keep it nice and simple. So you, whatever you use, you'll always have a stable branch. And I remember back in the SVN days, we had trunk. <laughs> well, um, in Git, you, you'll have something like main or master. This is the stable branch. This is the branch that works. <laughs> then you'll have another branch which you merge um, pull requests into that can be tested. So maybe if you've got a QA team or like just a team of testers, uh, they can they can test on that branch. Um, and when that's when the features in that branch are ready, they can then get merged into the main branch, and then that gets deployed. I mean that that that's as complicated as it really needs to be. Um, in my opinion, I, I think if you over if you're if you overcomplicate that by having release branches and stuff, you just unless you're working in a team of twenty plus developers, then having a release branches are just extra complexity. Extra complexity. I, I made a point earlier about you know if you're if you're just your single developer, then there's a lot of these these tips that don't rely don't. Uh, matter to you because it's just you but if you're working in a team of say five to ten then these these definitely do matter but if you're working in teams bigger than this then there are other benefits and um good practices that they would need more than the the group of ten okay so the tip here is to when you've got your branches set up, so you've got say uh, main and then you've got like develop or staging. Um, what you want to do is um, make sure that you're regularly 
moving code from main back to your feature branches. So in fact, actually, I, I mentioned that you've got two branches there. In fact, you've got three. So you've got your main branch, you've got your staging branch, and then you've got your feature branch. Your feature, your feature branch is your branch, your branch that you're doing code on, you're working on. The main branch, like I said, is stable. Nobody commits directly to that unless it's a merge. Then you've got staging. Now, staging is the in-between branch between your feature branch and the stable branch. If you're working in a team of say five or 10 devs, maybe um, multiple developers will be working on, well, every developer will be working on perhaps their own feature, right? So they'll have their own feature branch. And the, the project is obviously the same, but the features are gonna be wildly different or wildly similar. <laughs> and that's where the merging conflicts can happen. Uh, but the point is that the staging branch is used for every developer to then merge their feature branches into. Um, and then that gets tested, as I mentioned. What you wanna make sure is that the feature branches are constantly being rejuvenated by the main branch. So you want to be merging the main branch back into your feature branches and then merging your feature branches into your staging branch. Um, you never want to merge staging into your feature branch because then you get everybody else's code. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, but when something is acceptable for launch, move that or merge that into your main branch. You could do that via a pull request or, or what have you. Um, and then, so that will that will update the main branch. You then want to um, acknowledge when that happens and then merge the main branch back into your feature branch. And therefore you're all constantly evolving your code and going forward. Nobody's getting stale. That's the point here. It's stale code is bad code. So you wanna make sure at least, at least once a day, if not three times a day, make sure that, um, the any changes in main go back into your feature branches and then you know by definition they'll go into the staging once you merge that into staging um okay so yeah regularly merge main into your feature branches number seven is always get a teammate to review your code even if it's the smallest change so even if it's this like like literally a single line or a comma or something out of place that you've fixed and changed, get someone else to review it. Um, it's no, it's not a negative reflection on you. Um, it's just that um, other developers may have other suggestions and other ideas. And also more eyes on the code is really good. Um, I know that um, there's, you know, just talking from experience here, um, I, I've done a piece of work and then I've, you know, really small piece of work and I've, um, I've asked someone to take a look at it and then they've come up with a better solution. Um, and, uh, I've ditched my attempt and then I, I, I went with, with theirs uh, and, um, it, it worked out pretty well. Uh, it, it, like I said, it also shares knowledge across the team, um, and they'll be able to spot issues, uh, very, very quickly. Um, because the thing is you get so close to the code, you get so close to your, it's, it's like that saying, you can't see the wood through the trees. Um, and also they may be aware of other elements of the code that, um, impact or influence your bit of code that you are not aware of. Um, also they may have other, um, they may have other, 
historical knowledge about the client, or they may have some future knowledge about the project that will influence and impact the thing that you're doing. So make sure that you do get your code reviewed. Um, GitHub is great for that. You, you've also got Bitbucket and other things like that. GitLab um, for code reviews, definitely do that. Get it approved by at least one one developer, um, if not two, if you can. Um, and also, if you're playing, if you're a back-end developer and you're playing around with some JavaScript, get a JavaScript front-end developer to have a look. <laughs> um, get a get a, a front-end dev to have a look because they will probably. It's happened to me. <laughs> Where you where you do some JavaScript, you're like, yeah, you know, I've done some JavaScript today, you know, because that's for me. For me, that's a bit of a rarity um, <laughs> sometimes. Um, and you give it to a JavaScript dev to have a look at, and they're like, no, nah, you don't. You you don't want to be doing it like that. You want to be doing it like this because if you do it like that, then uh, you you've just caused you know a performance bottleneck, or you know this is a quicker way of doing it, or there's some new JS syntax sugar that we could throw on this, or or um, as it has happened to me before, they are aware of a browser compatibility issue that you're not aware of. And they go, ah, it's a good job you showed me this because this ain't going to work on version whatever of IE. <laughs> so um, so don't be afraid to give it to someone else to have a look at. In fact, um, most of the projects that I've worked on, actually, they require it to happen. You can't push any code into, um, well, definitely not the main branch. Um, but in, in some cases, the staging branch, you cannot push code into there unless it's been looked at by at least one of the developer. And there have been places where I've worked at where it's been at least two developers as well um, around the skill set of, of the code that you're working within. Okay, will I be putting these steps into um, in, into sort of a practical thing after the talk? Um well, I guess um, some of these I do anyway. Uh, whenever I do a live stream, so here I'm talk I'm uh, answering one of the comments here on the on the chat. Um, it's a good question, but I do a lot of this stuff anyway through the on the YouTube um, uh, streams and the Twitch streams. Um, but maybe I should I should point out areas of you know if of when I do those kind of things, and because it's only me, so I won't do all of them, obviously. But um, maybe I will, maybe when I get to doing like a pull request for myself, I will talk about it from the perspective of another team. It's a bit difficult doing these this in practical steps when it's just me, if that makes sense. Um, you read a load of these things, um, like tutorials in, for Git, and they've always got like Sally and Bob. <laughs> Sally and Bob. Sally has this feature branch. Bob has this feature branch. Um, some other random name has uh, wants to do a deployment. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, maybe I can uh, maybe I can stop whenever I get to a point where I think you know actually a team a team of people would do this differently, and I could talk about it during a live stream. Perhaps um, that would be pretty good. Um, okay, so number where are we? Number duh, 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 uh, number eight. Number eight is to keep, keep, keep good branch naming conventions. Um, so I'm dyslexic. I spell every single word I could possibly uh, type wrong, like 
I'm pretty sure I've spelled every word that I know wrong in, in my life. Um, but make sure that you try and, uh, try and sort out the spelling. Okay. Because this is going back to that historical thing as well. And also the, in terms of conventions and there's ways of like, um, if you create a branch and you spell it wrong, there are ways to change the branch name through the command line Then I can, sh I'll show whenever I do it and I, I will probably spell something wrong, uh, in the future. Um, same with git commit messages. If you're reading back your commit message and you realize that you've got a spelling mistake, there is an amend, com um, uh, argument that you can, you can do to change the git commit, git, git commit message. Can't talk, um, as well. But in terms of conventions, you want to make sure that you, you know, you stick to like fixes for fixes, bug fixes, feature for a feature. Um, and then maybe like config for configuration. Um, try not to have configure or, um, features instead of feature. Um, try and try and have some form of convention around your, uh, your branching. It's just easier when you're having to sift through, um, historical branches and, and whatnot. Uh, and I suppose this goes on to the next point of, you know, make sure that your branches locally are, um, are nice and tidy in the sense of um, don't have too many lying around. Whenever I finish a project, um, like whenever I, I I leave the contract, I I obviously need to do a load of tidy up on 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 my local machine. Uh, so I try now. I, I never used to do this um, regularly. I used to do this once I left the project. But what I try and do now is is go through all of my local branches and remove the ones that I aren't actually I'm not actually actively working on. Um, it, it's just e it's just easier right at the end of the project. <laughs> um, you can of course just delete the whole whole uh, Git thing um, if you wanted to. Um, but I try and do this periodically and also try and delete the remote branches as well because you know if you've got a project and you've got like. 50 branches and they're all old and they're all behind the main, then there's no point in having them, right? Get, get rid of, get rid, get rid. Um, it's just easier to identify the ones that are actively work you're working on. You don't have to use fancy labels or anything, uh, f for the branches in GitHub. Um, you can just see what's, what's what. Uh, okay. So where are we now? Uh, number nine, separate code maintenance features and fixes into their own branches. Be aware. Um, of what other features use your code. Yes. So this is going back a little bit to the configuration, but um, so where you would put config into its own branch, but I've gone one step further with this and I'm talking about maintenance. And when I'm talking about maintenance, what I really mean is like refactoring or if there's a problem that you've, you've found in the code, uh, whether it's, whether it's a bug fix that needs to be done or whether it's a, uh, uh, a piece of refactoring, you want to rename some variables or some classes or some um, methods or whatnot. Um, or maybe you just want to re-architect things. So this is kind of the gray area of it's not really a fix because nothing is actually broken. But, and it's not a feature because nobody's requested it but it needs to be maintained <laughs> as in it needs to be, uh, it's like going to the MO, having a car MOT'd. Uh, 
uh, and finding that there's a couple of things that are wrong, but you can get away with them. They're minors, but you want to fix them anyway. You want to fix them up. So I would separate, if I was to look at a start a project and I was to look at some code and I was to see the code, the existing code base, and I was to say, look at areas that I would like to tidy up and to refactor, then perhaps I would, in some circumstances, this doesn't happen all the time because time pressures and everything, but sometimes it's it's good to speak to another developer who is aware of the code base and uh, discuss your ideas for refactoring and then see if you can do those before you do the feature. It's going to make your feature a lot easier because it's going to be more snapped together. Plus you've given it a more in-depth thought uh, because of these refactorings, things that you want to do. Um, but put them in a separate branch. The reason why you want to put them in a separate branch is because if you've got a lot of refactoring to do in that particular feature that you're doing, that feature might be, um, that code might be used elsewhere. So if you're if you're changing code that other code hooks into and you're, say, changing method names or changing parameters and variables and all of that jazz, then you're going to impact someone else's feature um, or another another area of code. And so you want to reduce the amount of, of, uh, of negative impact as much as you possibly can. So don't bundle that all up or try not to bundle all that up into a, in a, into a, a feature. The thing is, <coughs> excuse me, the thing is, um, the, di the, the, the difference between the refactoring branch, if you will, and the feature branch is that the re refactoring branch has, doesn't have a time frame. Whereas the feature branch does, a client has requested that feature to be developed. The client hasn't requested you to refactor that feature or that code for that feature. Uh, they, they're not aware of the code. They shouldn't be aware of the code. Um, but you, as a as a developer, you've looked at that code and you've gone, "Hmm, we can do something better here," or you know, "This is this isn't good practice. We need to adjust this." and refactor this. It's going to make my life of building this feature a lot easier. It's going to make the lives of the other team, uh, my teammates, easier as well, because it'll be the code will become easier to use. Perhaps there's a code smell somewhere. Perhaps there's an architectural issue that needs to be addressed. Um, and so you, you, you think about, you, you're kind of thinking outside the box here. And then you speak to, say, your um, the technical lead and you say, look, there's this piece of code that I really think we need to refactor. This is what I propose. Uh, can I do this in a separate branch? Make the other team members aware of it, get it done, and then build out that feature. Um, do it like that. If you can, if you can, it doesn't always happen like this, but if you can, um, it's... The thing is, a code base is constantly evolving and it shouldn't just evolve just because the client has requested new features. It also should evolve because new developers come on board and they see code smells or old developers see code smells um, and they're constantly trying to improve the system going forward. Um, it's a, But the thing is, those, those micro improvements aren't uh, necessarily tied to a single feature that the client has requested. Um, because, you know, code is interwoven. So 
one thing can impact another thing or 10 other things. Okay. So let's talk about messaging platforms. So this is number 10. Um, so a lot of what I've mentioned here is around communication, being having um, uh, the ability to communicate your code, your technical uh, concerns about the code and your your um, your ideas to the team. And the best way I've found to do that is through, say, Slack or Discord or some or Microsoft Teams somewhere that you can share code snippets somewhere that you can format code and somewhere that people can no access, access links woo that shocked me a bit <laughs> thank you very much ashley simmons for uh, subscribing <laughs> i was in the zone then i didn't forgot that uh, that happened thank you you've just gone and set the emotes off woo thank you <laughs> yeah so have a messaging platform that um that everybody can access and share and have make sure that this is automated as well. So whenever someone does a uh, a, uh, a pull request that is sent as a, a message to uh, Slack, whenever someone does a merge, that's also an automated message in Slack. Whenever the CI pipeline fails, that's also a message in Slack. <laughs> so everyone is aware of the state of play of the pipeline and what code they're working on and what uh, code other people are working on. Um, so it, it, and it's a, it's a, it's a really good way to have a sense check of the code base and how stable it is. Also in production, if you've got any errors coming that you, you really need those coming into your, into Slack or, or whatever, whatever messaging platform you use, basically make sure that it's properly seamless. And, uh, what I found is really good is to have a separate channel um, that is for automated messages that you can check on and stuff. Um, and uh, I guess number 11, well, we've kind of already mentioned this, but to fix any failed code audits before doing anything else. So if PHP Stan was to say, nope, this isn't good, fix that first because you've, you've gone and... Um, uh, produced a bottleneck in the pipeline. So make sure that that is, is, is ironed out before you can. Thank you very much for uh, joining Ali. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, they're my 10 sort of tip bits. I will quickly run down. So run code audits before merging work, uh, into a workflow branch. So run, uh, PHP stan, uh, linting tools, PHP unit, whatever you use, run all those before you actually put your code into staging or whatever. I do this regularly. Um, usually what happens is I will go and make a cup of tea and then as it runs and I come back and it'll tell me what I need to fix. But make sure you do this before you actually merge this into staging. Uh, okay, put config into a separate branch, um, then the feature as well. Uh, use a GUI to inspect the right, left, and middle mergers. Um, it's really, really useful to have a look at diffs like that. In my opinion, uh, don't squash commits because I really like to read the history. Uh, communicate and talk through conflicts with other developers. Make sure that you can get um, access to other developers who have worked on the code that your code is conflicting with. So you can get multiple eyes on that. Uh, regularly merge the main branch into your feature branches. So make sure that you don't have any stale branches going 
working around. Always get a teammate to review your code, even if it's the smallest of changes. Uh, keep, uh, keep to a good branch naming convention. Uh, so as we mentioned before, like feature over features and fixes over fix, maybe, I don't know, it's up to your team, but try and keep it, try and keep it uh, to a convention. Separate code maintenance features and fixes into their own branches. Be aware of other features uh, that use your code. So this is where you look at some code and you're like, hmm, this needs to be refactored. Maybe there's a possibility of doing that refactoring work in a separate branch um, before building out the feature because uh, the quicker you can get this to um, into the main branch, the quicker other developers can use this uh, good piece of refactoring as well. It's all about teamwork. It's all about teamwork. Okay, uh, use messaging platforms like Slack or Discord to inform your team that something has been merged. Also, uh, use this to tell your team if the code audits have failed, if your pipeline is buggered. And if it is, fix it before you do anything else. Thank you ever so much for watching. That's uh, episode 119. I appreciate everybody's um, questions and comments in the chat. I will, uh, I'll review them and uh, I, I'll think about doing the, the uh, practical video uh, or using doing that within another live stream, I think perhaps uh, going forward, but it'll be, it'll be an interesting one, be an interesting one. I will, uh, be streaming again this Saturday on Twitch. I'll let everybody know the times of that from Discord and on um, uh, Twitter. I've forgotten Twitter uh, at How to Code Well. So uh, thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everyone. Have a great evening, and I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye.